Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Everybody, it's Wednesday, July 12th, 5:20 a.m. Central Time as I speak. Joe is out on short notice today, so Matt Bennett is joining me. The grain markets are mixed here this morning. To start off with today, we have a report coming out. Uh, USDA will release its monthly crop production and WASDE reports here this morning at 11 Central Time. Traders are expecting reduced US, U.S. corn and soybean yield estimates. Traders are anticipating that the USDA will peg the U.S. corn yield at 176.6 bushels per acre versus 181.5 bushels per acre last month. The soybean yield is expected at 51.4 bushels per acre versus 52 bushels per acre last month. Excuse me, USDA has cut, excuse me, USDA has not cut its corn yield estimate in July since 2012. The agency did cut its soybean yield by a small amount in the July 2019 report and also back in 2012. So, Matt, what are your thoughts on this report and what USDA is predicted to release? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be very interesting. There's no question that. Uh, Two weeks ago, I would have told you it's kind of expected to see a yield drop. I mean, you saw crop condition ratings, you know, languishing down there 50%, you know, and then all of a sudden uh, you improve a point or two and then you improve, you know, you're up here, oh, 55%, I believe. I don't even know what we were at this week. It's I've slept since then, but uh, the corn the corn crop has stabilized. You know, we talk, I think we talked about this a little bit last week Remember, I was on with Joe. It, it's, it's not that I'm sitting here saying this is going to be a bumper crop. It's that uh, we've averted like disaster, you know, and so uh, the USDA, in my opinion, uh, I, I I think they've got the ammo to drop the crop. I just don't feel as confident that they're going to, is what I did, like I said, two weeks ago. You know, you had a definite change in rainfall pattern. You've certainly had folks come into pollination in way better condition than what they thought they were going to. So, you know, I think that that one is going to be maybe not as sure as what I thought it was going to be. What I'm watching for today, a couple different things. What are they going to do with demand? You know, so we all know export demand is just stunk. And quite frankly, prospects for corn export demand don't look all that rosy. Uh, you know, as far as beans go, I think we're in pretty decent shape. I mean, we just uh, talked about some uh, uh, 10, 15 cargoes off the PNW that China was uh, purchasing in the, like October timeframe. So it's not like right now, uh, but they're going out buying some beans because we're actually somewhat competitive. We're not competitive on corn. So, you know, the supply and demand balance sheet, Kenzie, uh, it's going to be uh, fairly rough looking as far as new crop goes. Now, what's really interesting is that the quarterly stocks report uh, just released at the end of the month, you know, you saw a bullish surprise for both corn and beans. And so you've got to think the old crop stocks and this old crop balance sheet uh, actually might be fairly snug, relatively speaking, for corn. We all know it would be for beans. So, you know, the, it's going to be very interesting to see how this comes out. I don't see any way that new crop is anything under $2 billion, uh, whenever it comes to corn. Okay. Last thing I want to I want to talk about real quick is pay attention to world stocks. Whenever you look at, for instance, soybeans year on year, uh, I understand, you know, as you and I talk, beans are up. Beans have had a good run lately. 
here's the deal. We're building world stocks. Uh, U.S. is very tight. Domestically, we're very tight. We're not tight worldwide. So pay attention to that uh, because I do think that that might be something a producer could use uh, this strength here of late. So a minute ago, you mentioned weather. Uh, a large portion of the U.S. Corn Belt is expected to receive precipitation over the next five days. The six to 10 day outlook is calling for normal to above normal rainfall for the area. The eight to 14 day outlook, however, is forecasting above normal temperatures for the majority of the country. Uh, rain is falling over eastern South Dakota and northeastern Nebraska here this morning. Spotty showers are also moving across Iowa and into Illinois and Indiana. So according to this forecast, much of the Corn Belt should receive rain over the next week. Um, how are things back in Illinois and have you caught any rains recently? Yeah, and so basically in the last two weeks, we've had uh, four different rain events. Uh, we went from uh, brown pastures, which is something that you experience for years instead of a few weeks like we did. So I'm sitting here uh, complaining about that. But I would say uh, we're super uh, worried about, you know, hey, you know, where are we going to get our hay at? Uh, you know, in this part of the world, you don't have near as much hay, first of all. Uh, but second of all, it was dry. I mean, our yards were dry. I haven't had mowed in two or three weeks. You know, and then you start getting some rain. So right now things have greened up. I'm not going to say you've got neat high tall grass by any means, but uh, we definitely have uh, uh, greened up significantly. We're going into pollination in really good shape. It's cool enough. Um, and so whenever you look at the forecast, it doesn't look all that ominous. But at the same time, you know, you talked about the spotty showers through Iowa. And I know a lot of folks came into the week uh, with really good chances for rainfall in my part of the world up through Iowa and parts of Indiana. It seems like they backed off that just a little bit. And that might have somewhat uh, of a factor with these markets basically stabilized. It looked like everyone was just hate selling corn, you know, for the, the last couple, three days, uh, trading sessions. Whereas today and uh, yesterday, you know, it looks like uh, folks don't want to sell as much as what they did before. So you touched on crop conditions. Obviously, this week uh, they were bumped up for, bo for both corn and soybeans. You're seeing that back in your neck of the woods. Things are looking, looking much better. Oh, yeah. You know, and so what it is, in my opinion, is, um, you know, obviously a lot of this corn is going to pollinate or, or it's going to tassel short. I mean, compared to what it usually does, you know, so you hear a lot about a lot of folks saying, hey, my corn's like six foot tall. Uh, last year it was nine foot tall. Um, you know, you talk to an agronomist and they say it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, that the corn is not going to be good corn. So you go out and you, uh, you know, you take some of this corn that's actually pollinating right now. Of course, you can get to the ear now and, and take a look at uh, what the potential is. And it sure looks to me like we've got potential for uh, really good corn. Is it going to be a record crop? Uh, I don't believe so. Uh, I think that the lighter ground got hurt to the point that, uh, you know, I, I don't know that you're going to have 200 bushel corn, for instance, in some of those mm -hmm. areas. Whereas, you know, some of the black ground, you still may hear about some uh, uh, potentially very good yields, especially if you finish well. So, yeah, we've definitely stabilized from what looked like it could be a disaster uh, to a situation that's not going to be a disaster any longer. We just don't know, uh, you know, how good it quite might uh, it might be quite yet. 
Right. So a Canadian port strike is impacting potash exports. Nutrien, the world's largest fertilizer producer, has cut its potash production at its quarry mine in Saskatchewan. A strike of 7,500 unionized workers that began on July 1st at ports in British Columbia is to blame for the reduction. The strike has lowered export capacity and cost Nutrien $4.2 billion. Canada is the world's largest producer of potash fertilizer, with more than 75 countries relying on Canadian fertilizer. The strike has yet to impact fertilizer prices, which have held steady since the beginning of July. So Matt, if this is prolonged, if this strike continues, uh, how do you see this impacting fertilizer prices? Yeah, it certainly could be a catalyst to fertilizer prices going up if it if it's prolonged uh, very long, if you will. But Kenzie, I, I guess, you know, you can tie fertilizer prices pretty heavily to the direction of the, of the corn market. Um, you know, and I know some people roll their eyes, but I'll tell you, anybody who's watched this very long has seen it. I've seen it. I've been in this situation, uh, you know, I've been farming for 30 years, essentially, uh, you know, and I can assure you that if the price of corn goes up significantly because of whatever factor, uh, potash will go up. Now, what frustrates me and concerns me is a situation like this could could see fertilizer prices go up, you know, even if the price of corn doesn't go up. And it'd be pretty frustrating for a lot of us, uh, you know, if that's the situation. So we sure have to hope that this kind of resolves itself because really you look at fertilizer prices, NP and K combined uh, for this fall right now, you're looking at some of these spot prices and a producer can put a crop in the ground significantly cheaper. Uh, thank goodness, uh, especially given the price of corn uh, whenever you look out to 24. Most definitely. Deflation is threatening China. Consumer inflation in China was flat in June, raising fears of potential deflation. China's CPI was also 0% year over year, the weakest rate since February 2021. Producer prices fell 5.4% compared to last year, the deepest pace since December 2015. Pork prices were the main drag on consumer prices last month, falling 7.2% compared to last year. Chinese economists are now urging the government to implement an economic stimulus targeting consumers. So China, of course, was supposed to have this strong post-COVID recovery this year. However, I feel like it has basically been the opposite. How do you see China's struggling economy uh, impacting us in the U.S.? Well, I think that we've already seen it to a point as far as our uh, export market have, has been concerned. I mean, obviously, uh, since COVID, corn uh, was a huge benefactor of China coming in and buying quite a bit. Uh, whenever you look at uh, pork prices, it's kind of interesting when you look at the chart here. Uh, you know, whenever you look at lean hogs, I mean, we've done nothing but gone up while we're talking about Chinese pork prices actually going down. So, you know, their purchasing uh, purchasing power is just uh, phenomenal. We all know that if China's not buying the world economy, uh, struggles. That's just been the general rule over the last uh, several years. And I think that uh, uh, it's an overall sign of what's going on in the world. Uh, we are in a defla deflationary environment, whether people want to understand it or not. Uh, it, it, it was a situation where inflation kind of got out of control and got up, got going to the upside. And now uh, we've backed off. And I still think that we're in, in somewhat of a deflationary environment moving forward. And, and so it's something that you got to be cautious of. But uh, by all means, uh, whatever's going on in China is something that we're all going to feel. 
June CPI report is expected to post a big drop. Today's consumer price index report, which will be released at 7.30 central time, is forecast at an annual rate of 3.1%. The expectation is a significant decline from the 4% reported in May. If the data comes in as expected, this would be a sign that the economy is slowing at a pace that is suitable to fight inflation. U.S. stocks closed higher on Tuesday in anticipation of the friendly report. The Dow Jones was up 0.9%, the S&P 500 increased 0.7%, and the NASDAQ climbed 0.6%. So, Matt, is a recession off the table? Sure seems like it for now, you know, and again, we talked about this a little bit last week. Whenever I look at some of these economic numbers, you know, obviously you back off just a little bit on on your inflationary talk. Uh, jobs reports been fairly good. And what that means for uh, me and for some other folks uh, in, in this part of the ag world is that your interest rates are probably going to go up again, uh, you know, and you could probably expect even another hike if you continue on this trajectory. Uh, that could be pretty hard on some folks and it could have a, a little bit of an impact. You know, I know that I've brought it up a couple of times when we've talked about cattle prices on here. You know, you got to think about what could slow down this uh, this train, you know, and uh, people starting to think about what's going on with their pocketbook and their budgets is is where that could happen. And so with interest rates in uh, almost certain to go up another quarter point uh, this month, uh, you know, I, I think that it's something that uh, is directly tied to what's going on with your economic data, inflation, jobs report, all those things. So you mentioned the cattle markets. They were up again on Tuesday. Feeder cattle futures closed an average of 97 cents higher. Live cattle futures closed an average of 94 cents higher. Uh, cash cattle trade has been at a standstill so far this week. But last week, cash uh, cash trade averaged an impressive 185.97, the second highest of, two, of 2023 and on record. Uh, how high do you see this cash cattle trade going, Matt? <laughs> Yeah, we definitely think we're going over 200. Okay. Um, I, and I'm not, I said, I definitely think, okay. I did, I said, I did not say I definitely, it's definitely going over 200. But the thing is, Kenzie, uh, we still have, I mean, it's a futures market. Okay. So I've seen, I've seen before uh, that we all think it's going to just take off and go, whatever market we're talking about, you know, and then it stalls out before it gets to where we thought it was going to go. Why do I think 200? Because I think cash traders want to see it go to 200. You know, bottom line is on this cattle market is fundamentally, you've got a lot of uh, firepower still. Uh, there, There's still uh, things that are going to happen, in my opinion, and they're going to drop numbers down. We've talked about that, retained heifers, whatever. Cattle on feed over the next several months will not be impressive at a time when demand is going to stay fairly strong. So, you know, I did sell some fats yesterday. Uh, nobody texted me to tell me what they brought. So I hope they brought 185. But, uh, you know, bottom line is uh, people are lining up to buy them. Okay. Yeah. And so um, I think moving forward, you're going to see a lot of good things happen, not only just with fat. I, I think uh, if a person takes an old pound cow, they're going to be shocked what they get for them. You know, cow, calf, pears, you name it. It's all, it's all going to be great. The thing that concerns me about the cattle market is your cattle feeder. I mean, you're, you're paying an arm and a leg for these feeders, if you can get them, you know? And mm -hmm. so uh, that is going to be where the real test is going to be. At some point, someone's going to get pinched big time buying feeders. 
you know, hopefully this cattle, uh, the corn market stays uh, decent for you, you know, and, and you can still make some money there. But uh, cattle feeders gone out on faith a lot of times, basically their whole career. And I've got to hope that they uh, they do good this time. But I, I'd be I'd be scared buying a bunch of pot loads of, uh, of feeder cattle right now. Yeah, you aren't kidding. They are sure bringing a, a pretty penny. Um, Matt, thank you for joining me this morning. Everybody have a great day. We will talk to you on Thursday morning.